welcome to Season 1, Episode 3 of A Viking Story. This is an accompanying podcast for a novel that I've written, which is set in the Viking Age and follows my character Bloodsword throughout the Viking world. My name is Alan Laycock Fuchs, and as I've mentioned previously in this season, we're looking at various elements of the Viking world that I had to consider when writing my novel, and we're doing the location series at the moment. Last episode looked at Norway. Today's episode is going to look at Iceland. So just to give you a little bit of background information on Iceland. Um, Iceland was created through volcanic action from the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, which means Iceland is a highly geologically active location. And Iceland has done a really good job of harnessing the geothermal power at its disposal. So when I was living there, for example, there are pipes that connect directly to the underwater geothermal hot water. And these pipes can run along the sidewalks, they can run along your driveway, and when it snows, the snow can be naturally melted by these pipes. Your house also has very inexpensive hot water. I mean, this is basically a free resource for all Icelanders. So when you turn on your tap at home, uh, the hot water that comes out is, is geothermal. It can smell a little bit like sulfur, but this is something that you just get used to, actually. And there were certain things when I was living in Iceland that after a while you just stopped noticing it. I think it's very similar to when you buy a house or rent a house or an apartment that's near like a railway track and you hear the trains coming every so often and after a while of living there you don't really notice it anymore. And that was how it was for me as well. I remember I had friends coming over one time and they they told me that there was a problem with my shower and I felt so bad for my guests. I was like, oh, these poor people have come all the way to visit me and now they're, they just want to have a shower and something's gone wrong. So I went to take a look at it and I remember asking them, so what's the, the problem? And they said, well, it smells funny. And <laughs> then I realized, yeah, the water was, it's the sulfur basically. And I, I told them actually, this is normal and I don't even smell it anymore. It was the same thing with rain. It, there's like a light misty rain that happens quite often in Iceland. And it's almost like if you've ever been to Niagara Falls or a waterfall or something like that, where that, there's that mist that sprays off the water. That's kind of like how it is in Iceland. And after a while, that was something I didn't notice anymore either. And sometimes people, usually guests, would say, hey, like, it's raining. Shouldn't you have an umbrella or something? And I would have to, like, take a moment to gather my thought. I'd think, oh, yeah, it is raining, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> like, I didn't, you just don't really pick up on it. Um, and by the way, umbrellas in Iceland are fairly useless because of the wind. I remember trying to have an umbrella at the very beginning, and you walk outside and the wind flips it inside out. And then within literally like 30 seconds, I'd say, my umbrella was destroyed. And so I just tossed it into the garbage. So umbrellas are pretty useless in Iceland if you are ever intending to visit. Definitely bring rain jackets with hoods. That's the way to go. Anyways, back to the geography of Iceland and its history. So today, Iceland is the second largest island in Europe after the UK, and it's technically still growing. So at five centimeters per year, it might take a while, but someday Iceland will be number one. And Iceland is mainly below the Arctic Circle, so you would think that it's not quite as extreme with the, the day and night, but it does actually still have the midnight sun and the polar nights. I didn't really notice it being very much different from when I lived in Norway, actually. So you had maybe in the wintertime an hour or so of daylight during the day, but cloud cover is very common in Iceland. And 
very often during that period, that small window during the day where you might have a bit of daylight, it was too cloudy to really see the sun. So I would go days without seeing the sun. So it, it just as well might have been polar nights because it was, for all intents and purposes, 24 hours of darkness. And you might think maybe 24 hours of darkness, would this get depressing? Do people get depressed in these northern places? And I can tell you from my experience personally, I didn't get depressed during the darkness, during the dark hours. The weird thing is that the sun will set and a few hours will go by. Maybe you'll have a bite to eat, a late dinner or something, and a few more hours will go by and you'll think, okay, it's time to hit the sack, get some rest. And you'll check the time and it's only 8 p.m. So the weird thing was you get tired more because it's darker more and your body, at least my body, just naturally wanted to go to sleep when it was dark. And same thing with waking up in the morning. You didn't really feel like waking up when it was still dark. And I studied in Iceland. I remember waking up, going to class, and coming home, and it was still dark. And you just kind of get used to it. But yeah, I, w I wouldn't say I was depressed, but I would say I was more tired. I was tired more often, which sometimes people can think is a part of depression. And sometimes I'm sure it is, but I don't think I was depressed in Iceland. I think I was just tired. Um, the strange thing is, too, when you don't have the sun for as much as you do in Iceland, and Norway for that matter, too, you don't get a lot of the vitamin D that you would naturally get from the sunlight. And in Iceland, the way that they combated this was they had something called happy lights. So there's a huge swimming culture in Iceland, and there were pools that you could go to, and you could get like a season's pass. And you go quite often. A lot of Icelanders go even on their lunch breaks during the workday and things like this. So, And at these places, there were happy lights. So they were basically plastic white lights that you could sit in front of, and they would emanate vitamin D, or at least replicate it, so that your body would still get this sunlight feeling. I mean, some people had these in their houses as well. So the happy lights were one way to kind of get through the polar nights. Conversely, in the summer, it was basically 24 hours of daylight. There might have been also a small window during the night where it got dark, but it never really, from my memory, got dark, dark. Like the sun would kind of set, but it would still be in daylight. You could still basically see, and then the sun would rise again shortly thereafter. So there were many times when I was out, you know, I was a younger guy back then, and I'd be partying or whatever, and you'd you'd be out late at night, and, and you'd miss that window where it got dark slightly for a little bit of time, and at some point, it's total daylight, it's total brightness, and you think, well, I've been out for a long time now, I should probably go back home. You check your watch, it's 6 a.m., <laughs> you're like, oh my god. So yeah, for all intents and purposes, midnight sun, and another question people ask me too is, is it difficult to sleep in the summertime when the sun is up basically all the time and in the summer I didn't really have trouble sleeping you just need thick curtains that'll block out the light and you'll sleep pretty fine although I am a guy and I do think guys sleep easier I can sleep with you know pretty much music playing or the tv on or um, in any position so yeah uh, perhaps it's easier for me just to continue with the geography of Iceland there, so it's a uniquely beautiful place, I would say. There are some things that's missing. One of the things that's missing is forests. So there are no trees really in Iceland. Interestingly enough, when Iceland was first settled, there were trees in abundance. Um, but very quickly, this resource was depleted, and it seems like the trees just couldn't regenerate again after they were depleted. So... Iceland today, it's a callback to those to that time period, and you see the effects of the deforestation from the Viking Age. So only 4% of Iceland is populated today, 
And if you were to take all the trees in Iceland and put them together into that 4%, it would be a decent-sized forest. But obviously, this 4% is spread out over the entire country. So trees are very sparse. There's not really any forests. The trees that do grow don't grow very tall. So there's a joke in Iceland that if you ever get lost in an Icelandic forest, just stand up. <laughs> so, yeah, but it's 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 a beautiful country nonetheless. You've got lava fields, you've got glaciers, even the cloud coverage that I talked about, it was always cloudy, but that was beautiful as well. And you learn to appreciate that in its own way. But it is interesting because I had a friend that I was studying with and she was from Detroit and she was dating an Icelandic guy. And she told me a story of when they went back to Detroit to visit her home and it was a clear blue sky. And her boyfriend just commented that, oh, the weather is so nice. Like, this is amazing. And she was like, uh, yeah, it's it's okay, I guess. But the thing that was amazing him was that it was just a clear blue sky. And there were no clouds at all, which is just unheard of in Iceland. I can't remember a time where there was just clear blue sky. There, there was always cloud cover. But as I said, it's, it's very beautiful in its own way. And you learn to appreciate the lava fields instead of the forests. Um, but there were things I definitely missed in Iceland. And... Yeah, perhaps a clear blue sky was one of them. Uh, the other strange thing is there's no real thunder or lightning in Iceland. I was told that it has something to do with the, the type of clouds. The only time I can recall ever seeing lightning in Iceland was when there was a volcanic eruption, and sometimes around the eruption there would actually be there would actually be lightning as well. But really, there's no thunder or lightning in Iceland, which is strange because the most popular god in Iceland during the Viking Age was Thor, who was obviously the god of thunder. So it's a strange, I don't know, coincidence or something there. But uh, so I missed, I missed thunder. I also weirdly missed the sound of trains. There are no trains in Iceland. So just the sound of like a train whistle or something like that. It's just something, I mean, it didn't bother me too much, but it was just little things that you noticed that were a bit different, a bit weird, a bit off. So it's been said that Iceland is one of the few places on Earth that has no prehistory. And for the most part, that's true. Because as soon as Iceland was settled, people started recording what was happening. But I'll give you a little bit of a background on Iceland right now and a little bit of the history behind the country. So the first person to discover Iceland was a man named Nadoda. And he got blown off course and happened upon Iceland. And he did something very unviking, which is not really to explore it. Normally when a viking, even if they were blown off course, even if they weren't technically an explorer or they weren't on a voyage of exploration, if you happened upon a country, a land, an island, it was kind of like your duty to check it out. And Nadodr kind of checked it out. He did dock his ship or anchored his ship and he climbed up a mountain and he tried to assess the land from all that he could see from the top of this mountain. So this was in the eastern part of Iceland. And he was looking for signs of habitation, maybe some smoke indicating human existence. He didn't see anything like that. So he kind of determined that the land was uninhabited. And as he was coming back down from the mountain, it started to snow. So he got back into a ship and went back home. But he decided to call the land Schneeland, which means snow land. Then the next person to come to Iceland was a man named Gardner, and he also got blown off course, but he did a little bit better of a job in exploring the island. So he was actually the first person to circumvene the island, to actually travel around it. So he 
He discovered Iceland, he sailed around it, he was able to determine that it was in fact an island, and then Garlar sailed back home as well, and he named the land Garlarsholmi, which means Garlar's home. And the first person to sail with intent to Garlarsholmi, or Schneeland, was a man named Loki. And he was given the nickname Raven Loki because he took three ravens with him on his voyage. Technically, I guess he only needed two, but the idea was he took the first raven and he threw it up into the air. And the raven kind of circled in the air above his ship for a little bit and then flew backwards towards the land that he had just left. So at this point, Loki knew that he hadn't traveled far enough yet where they had left the coast behind him. So he sailed further, and at another point he took the second raven and let it out of its cage, and it flew off as well. It circled the ship a little bit in the air, and then, and then it came back down to the ship. So at that point, Loki knew that there was no other land visible in, in the near distance, so he had to keep sailing. So he did, took another raven out of its cage, and flew this one up into the air circled as it does, and then it flew straight forwards. So at this point, Loki knew, or even Loki knew, that there was land in this direction. So he kept sailing, and then he did find the land. Uh, Loki sailed quite a bit around the island, and he kind of settled in the west fjords, and he also climbed up a mountain to get a a, view, a good viewpoint of the land, and he could see an iceberg floating in one of the fjords, and he thought the land was pretty much worthless, so he named it Island, which means Iceland. Not a very favorable name, and he went back into a ship and went back home. However, he did return to Iceland a few years later, and he did end up actually settling there, so despite not thinking it was the greatest place, um, he did end up living there till the end of his life. So it's interesting, those were sort of the first names of Iceland, and none of them are that great. Perhaps Garthar's Holmi is the best one, but if you are uh, some someone out there with your own country that doesn't have a name yet, Schneeland and, and Garthar's Holmi are both available if you're interested. But yeah, to look at the settlement of Iceland in more detail, so basically in the 870s there was a mass migration, mostly from Norway to Iceland, and there are different reasons given for why this mass migration happened. We're not totally sure why, but one of the popular theories is that there was overpopulation in Norway, and so en masse everyone just decided to go to Iceland. The other theory is that the people were escaping the rule of Harald Feinherr. He was starting to tax the property. He was he's, he's listed as the first sort of king of Norway, and there is sort of a romantic tale behind his legacy. So as legend has it, Harold Feinherr was in love with a girl named Gida, and she refused to marry him until he was king of all of Norway. So no pressure there. Uh, so Harold decided that he would not comb his hair or really take care of his hair until he was the king of all of Norway. So this earned him the nickname Tangle Hair because his hair got very messy. But eventually he did conquer all of Norway, and then he did cut his hair and tame it, so then he became Harold Feinherr. And once he started controlling all of Norway, as I sort of alluded to, he started taxing the people, and previously they had not been taxed. So this is one of the ideas that, in any case, everybody was in communication with each other, and they decided en masse that, let's just go to Iceland, let's start a new life there. So everybody 
moved to Iceland, and as I said, there was a, there were a lot of forests in the beginning. So actually, it was no problem for them to have firewood to build longhouses, or you know, it, it suited their needs initially. After about maybe a hundred years, so within a few generations, it was already a, a concern in Iceland that the deforestation was becoming a problem. The deforestation happened quite quickly, and as I said, it never really regenerated. So eventually, you had the Icelanders sort of stuck on their own. They couldn't really make ships or repair their ships very easily. There just wasn't enough timber to go around. So they became really an island unto themselves. But I mentioned before, there's no real prehistory to Iceland. And if you are an Icelander today, actually, you can trace your family lineage all the way back to that very first settler that settled Iceland that's a family member of yours. So if you're interested, you can even look these up and find out that Ehl's great 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 grandson or whatever it is is now a DJ Reykjavik. But yeah, before the Vikings arrived, it is believed that there were some Irish monks known as Papar in Iceland. And it was quite popular at the time that if you were a monk, you might want to live in solitude and just sort of escape civilization. So the monks ostensibly found Iceland and lived in some caves there. There are some crosses that have been found that were etched into caves that people think were attributed to the Papa. There's also an island off the east coast of Iceland named Pape Island, which is tentatively suggestive of the Papar's presence. But if there were Irish monks in Iceland before the Vikings arrived, uh, they didn't leave an indelible mark. And it must have been a worst-case scenario for them as well, because if you're trying to escape civilization and then suddenly a horde of Vikings move in next door, uh, you just got to be shaking your head. There's also some Greek and Roman literature which mentions an island named Thule, and this is believed to possibly have been Iceland. So it's possible that some Greek or Romans were aware or had been there, but again, they, they left no real mark. It's not really until the Vikings arrived that the history of Iceland begins. And when they arrived, they settled the whole island, um, but not uniformly. The most arable land was in the southwest, uh, sort of near modern-day Reykjavik. And so this was a highly populated area. And as I've mentioned in previous episodes, the Vikings preferred to raise animals, have animal husbandry. So a lot of people settled this area because this was the best land. In the north, especially the west fjords, there's really no room for farming. So this is more of a marine fishing-based culture. And settlement seems to have been more or less along the coast. There was some inland settlement too, but it does get more sparse the more east and especially the more southeast you go. So a large part of the population was in the southwest and maybe the north, and then it kind of spreads out from there. Uh, There were trading sites in the beginning, not really established sites that it would take time for them to become established, but most trading sites would have appeared at the base of fjords. Uh, So it would have taken, yeah, it would have taken decades to really establish themselves, but there were sites and there were popular ones that over time became well-known. So Kalpanga, for example, in northern Iceland was, was one of these places. And the likeliest form of trade as well for Icelanders at the time was between the more inland farming areas and the 
coastal fishing areas. So the likeliest trade would have been fish for farm products. And in this way, everybody would have benefited from both the the agriculture and from the fishing. And trade with other sources. So most Icelanders were originally Norwegian. It's thought most of them were actually from southern Norway. It does seem, based on DNA evidence, that a lot of these Norwegians took Irish brides or wives with them as they went across the sea to Iceland. So you get strangely a lot of Irish DNA, especially on the maternal side. But yeah, for most Icelanders, they would have had strong cultural connections to Norway, as well as probably they knew people in Norway and had personal connections. So a lot of the foreign trade was originally conducted with Norway. But as I mentioned, once the, the deforestation happens and there aren't really enough ships for, for Iceland to trade themselves, they have to rely on Norwegians or other people coming to Iceland, which just didn't happen. It started to phase out after a couple hundred years. So Icelanders were really very much on their own. And we see this in the archaeological record as well. There's, there's soapstone that seems to be continually reworked. There is uh, flint that has unusually long lifespans as, as strike lights, for example. So there's just evidence that the Vikings were, were pretty much on their own and had to make do with what they had there. And it took them a while, it seems, before they could harness the natural resources. But once they did, it was not too bad for them. And I mentioned the geothermal water. So even from the Viking Age, they had hot pots. They could channel this warm water into pools, essentially jacuzzis. So they had some luxuries, I would say, that weren't normal in Scandinavia. But Iceland is a very unusual place. So there were certainly some benefits there. And I'll, I'll talk more about those in future episodes. But I think this is where I'll end for today. It's already quite a lot of information to digest. Episode four, I'm going to look more closely at Vinland, which is in North America. So that will be the third and final location. But until then, if you're an agent, if you're a publisher, if you're a fan and you'd like to get in touch, uh, you can reach me at vikingstoryfaq at outlook.com. I'd love to hear from you. That's vikingstoryfaq. And I just want to thank you again for listening and cue Thor's Thunder, which, by the way, you can't hear in Iceland. <laughs>